I'm going to let the choir uh, make it to their seats, but um, I just wanted to call us back in so that we can get to God's Word. That's what we're all here for. So, Well, I thank you all for being here. An announcement I'd like to make, though, is that Greg and Christie's grandson, Everett Brooks Meyer, was born on Friday at 11.27 p.m. So, yeah, so... Everett Brooks Meyer, 8 pounds, 2.5 ounces, 20 inches, so on Friday the 20th. So, yes, so, well, I'm going to go ahead and open us in prayer. So, Father God, again, you know how excited I get about your word. I just ask you to calm me down, just to bring my mouth into check, that I don't go too fast, that I don't try and speed through your word. Add the emphasis where you need the emphasis and throw out the stuff that you don't want me to say, Lord. There's so much that you have given us through your word and so much to teach on, but this isn't the only week. There's every week and every day that we get to be in your word. So I thank you for that, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Well, you you know, as, as I always teach, I try to establish that we believe that the scripture is accurate and true. It says it in... Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is God-breathed, so it's inspired by God. So if you believe that, then you're able to use the Bible to guide your life. If you don't believe that, good luck. That's all I got to say about that. So, good luck, because you're going to use the earth's morals to try and determine what that is. Some of those morals come out of the Bible, people don't realize that, but not everything that we do, or our flesh wants us to do, is lined up with Scripture. So, we need to understand that. So, the power of choice was the name of my message, and I don't even know where that really actually came from. It was just one of those, Mary Beth said, give me a title. I said, okay, sure, the power of choice. You guys get to choose the title of my sermon. No, I'm kidding. That's not what it means. But, um, so we established that Scripture is true, and that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and at all times. We have that. So, we should find comfort knowing that we believe God, and we believe Scripture, and that His Word is accurate. We should be able to find comfort for our days, but so many times we don't. So many times we allow ourselves to get depressed, anxious, addicted to different things, gluttony, whatever you want to be. There's so many things that we allow ourselves, because we're told, this is how we're supposed to do it. Instead of looking here, we go, that's what i got to do. i got to keep up with the Joneses. i got to do whatever. And so we have choices. And we make choices in our lives. And so Romans 8, 26-30, most people will know, but I'm going to read it out of the NLT and do some things just to establish some confidence we can have. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for, for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we will know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. So, clarification, He will work all things for good for those who love Him, meaning you need to be in will with God's will first and in alignment with that, and then guess what? It all falls into place. Not that we want a new car, so God, please give me a new car. That's not what it's saying. It'll work out for good. It's saying that as long as you're in in alignment, that it will work out for good, and you know that it will. 
For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them because, uh, like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. If we're in right standing, we have glory. We know it's going to work out. We don't have to worry. We don't have to get fret. We don't have to do those things. The second is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. So if we trust Him, it will happen. So I hope to give you some tools today. Some tools that you can take home and use or pass on to friends or things like that. So I'm going to be in Scripture a lot today. I'm going to do, because you know, I found out that if you read Scripture, you don't misinterpret it. You don't, you don't put your emphasis on it. If you're just reading Scripture and letting the Holy Spirit just tell you what it means, then I can't mess that up. So Philippians 4, 4-14. through Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The answer is, or the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul goes on to say, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that, you, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you, are, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all, the, all this through him who strengthens me. Yet it, will, it was good to, of you to share in my troubles. And I will talk about that in a minute. So I gave you a handout, the armor of God. You should have it in your, in your uh, bulletin. We're going to put it up on the screen as well, but there's two. They're identical. Reason why, you get to keep one, you give one away. You know people who are struggling, that are tempted by God, or not tempted by God, tempted by Satan, or the world, or the the voices in their heads that they cannot reconcile. And so this is a good way to start the day. And I'm going to do this because if I'm going to teach you tools to fight off the devil and his schemes, guess what? I'm going to be under attack as well. So we're going to read this together. Do you guys feel like standing up and actually going through some actions? All right, let's do this. You never know what you're going to get when you get me. So I'm just saying. You just never know. So you can use the screen. I'm going to use the screen as well because you can't hold on to this and do the actions as well because we are actually going to put on the armor of God. So, okay. So this is where I took Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. It's not mine. Robin Wilkinson showed it to me over a decade ago. I know other people do it. I know the Nichols use it. But I changed it to a first person. So it's action. So let's go ahead and read together. Finally, I am strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
I put on the full armor of God so that I may take my stand against the devil's schemes. For my struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, I, before I put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, I may be able to stand my ground, and after I have done everything, to stand. I stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around my waist. All right, put it on. All right, we're good. All right, we got the first place in the thing. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. All right, good job. And with my feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the grace of peace. Now you guys, it's a little hard with a pew in front of you, so you don't have to do that. You can just slip them on. They're slip-ons today. So, in addition to all this, I take up the shield of faith and in which I can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, I am alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I pray that whenever I speak, words will be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Feel a little bit more power? Okay. So that's something you could do every single morning to get your mind set in the right place. I always tell my staff when they come to work, they go, I'm like, how are you today? They're like, I'm okay. And I go, do you know it's easier to start at excellent and work your way down than it is to start at grumbling and work your way up? Downhill is always easier. So start at excellent, work your way down. So if you start your day with putting on the armor of God, there's going to be fiery uh, arrows coming at you all day long. So now at least you have your shield ready so that you can be prepared in your mind that when the first temptations happen, which may happen five seconds after your feet hit the floor in the morning. So you might even want to keep this on your nightstand and do it before you, wake, before you get out of bed. For some of us. I don't know. I'm, it's amazing. But this... Little card, you can fit it in your wallet, that's why it's the way it is, fold it, do whatever, make it into origami as long as you can remember it. Okay, so that's just a little tool that you can share with a friend. When your friend is struggling or whatever, this is an opportunity for you to open up that and talk about that spiritual warfare is alive and real. And you need to believe it because you believe that Scripture is true and we just showed that our, our fight is not against flesh and blood in the spirits in the, in the heavenly realms that we fight against. During the prayer vigil, some of you took uh, part in it, some of you didn't, but I, want, I, was a, I was thankful that people were honest. I was thankful that people put down the things that they were struggling with. It was depressing to a degree. Not really depressing, you know, because I said we're not supposed to do you know, but we do that. But I was just looking at I was looking at how many broken People who felt unworthy, forgotten, depressed, dealing with addictions, they were in that. And that's, that's hard. It's really hard because we all have our thing. We all have our thing that we struggle with. And I was just thankful that there were so many people that were willing to come and pray for all those, but also people were starting to take down their veneer and just say, I'm a broken sinner just like everybody else. And I need help. And I need help every single day. And that's why I read before, it's important to be in with others and to, to take on each other's burdens. So, if you're struggling with something, 
I think this is pretty obvious, but to me it is. But just go to Google and put in depression verses. And it'll bring up verses related to depression in the Bible. And you can read about it. You can put in anxiety. You can put in gluttony. You can put in I mean, in addiction. You can put in all different kinds of verses and it will help you. If you don't have a friend you can call in the moment to help you get out of where you're at, you can at least go online and find a list of just Scripture you can read. And if you believe this, then it speaks truth into your life. And you can use that as the first tool. Okay? So I'm going to go to Colossians 1, 15-23. And this is to help us right now with the people who are dealing with anxiety, feeling like we have chaos, all of those things that are going on in community churches specifically. In this building, in the leadership, in everything else. So, chapter or verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Christ, of course. The firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in, all, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. I forgot where I was reading to. Uh, for God was pleased to have all the fullness of it dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the, his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved by the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that was has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I don't know where this quote came from, but it just came out of my head one day. I was talking about community church. And it was after just talking with people on how people are feeling like there's chaos. We don't have a senior pastor right now. And they're we, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know whatever is going to happen. And this is what I said. Satan is licking his lips right now concerning community church. The reason isn't because there, there is chaos running rampant. It is because so many people are focused on the fact that there isn't a senior pastor and have forgotten that there is still a head of this church. And that is Christ. That is the truth. We still have Christ leading this church. It does not matter who stands in this pulpit or if it's whoever stands in the pulpit. Christ is still the head of this church. And we do have a direction. We have what is called the Great Commission that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. So we do have a vision. We do have a place to go. We do have a direction. And we need to remember that and we know that the truth of the Word is there and we can rely on it. And God knew this day would be here before we ever even were conceived. That is also in Scripture. And we will be fine. This church is 100 years old. And it's actually the combining of two churches 
Instead of a church split, we had a church ad. It actually started with the Methodist Church in 87 and the Presbyterian Church in 88, I believe, or it's the other way around. And they merged in 1918 to create a community church, which was unheard of back then. God's church will reign. It will go forward. With or without us, it will go forward. In Colossians 2, I'm going to paraphrase it, but in verse 2 it says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. We can have confidence in Him. We are complete in Christ. And He has power over all authorities. So if we rely on Christ, who invited the Holy Spirit into our bodies when we received Him, we have the same power. We have the same power. So, I have a question for you guys. Maybe somebody can help me because I could not find this verse. I looked and looked. But, where is the verse that Satan made me do it? Oh, Flip Wilson. Oh, that's a different book, I guess. Uh, so, so to, if it's not in there, so we can't say that. Have you ever noticed in all the times of Satan doing things, he cannot make us sin? He can't make us sin. He can tempt us. He can cause calamity in our lives. He, I mean, look at Job. He took away all of his livestock. He killed his children. There was all kinds of things. He put boils from head to toe and he still would not dishonor God. Satan can do a lot of things to us, but the one thing he can't do is control our choices. He can, we control our reaction. We control our choice. That is the thing that we have that no one else has. So, most people probably, I don't know. I always assume everybody knows everything. I don't know why, but I do because I, I don't know. I spend a lot of time doing things, but this week I was talking about sin and the term sin. And I thought everybody knew that that, what that sin, sin, the word sin, came from. But it's an old Hebrew word, actually, that is to say to miss the gold in archery or to miss the mark. To miss the gold is the actual translation. So, and it's in Hebrew. And so it's to miss, yeah, to miss the gold, which is the center of the target. And so when we sin, we miss the target. We don't miss the target in general. But according to the term, but we miss the center. We miss exactly what God wants us to do for our lives. That's sin. So that's just a little picture for you to have. Another little tool. But Satan cannot cause us to stand. So, I don't know if you remember, um, Aaron Havens years ago did a sermon on, he always said, you either choose life or you choose death. When you're put in a, at a place, and I always call it, I stand at the door of sin, and a, there's a threshold, and it's my choice. I can either step through the door and engage in the sin, which is engaging in choosing death, or I can turn around and walk away from it, which is choosing life and to being with God. Another picture illustration that maybe will help you. So there's other choices throughout the Bible I, uh, that we look at choices that people made that missed the mark. The first one, of course, is Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. Chose to eat. They, they were chosen to eat. And so when God comes and says, How, who told you you were naked? Oh, well, I have knowledge of good and evil. Oh, well, wait, you ate of the tree? Yes. Well, Satan deceived me and I ate. Still chose to eat. Didn't put the, didn't, the serpent didn't hold her down and put that fruit in her mouth. 
She chose to take it because she wanted something more than what she already had, which was everything, but she thought there was more. David and Bathsheba, he looked upon a naked woman and he could have said, wow, great creation, walk away and stay away from that. Instead, he goes, get me that woman. And he made the choice and then unravels from there. Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarah, they didn't believe God was going to actually give them the child they want. So Sarah goes, go take Hagar. Choice. Wouldn't believe that God was going to actually do what he said he was going to do. Ananias and Sapphira, they lied when the church to the church leaders that they had given everything when they hadn't. And they died immediately. So that's other people's choices in the Bible, and there's tons of them. We see them throughout the Bible. But our choices. So here's some more parts for the tools that I can help you with. So first off, the very first choice you make is an eternal choice, follow or not. Heaven or hell. Believe Christ or not. That's your choice. That's the first one. Because if you don't believe that, then it's hard to believe this. So you have to do that. And then, the other is, I've talked about this before as well, is I've talked about that when we have choices to make, we hear very, very, a lot of different voices in our heads a lot of times. And I, I used to always say there was three voices, but now there's four. I've grown one. No. Um, God, God's voice. Satan or his dominions or whatever you want to call him. Um, his voice. Your own voice, your own wishes, and the world's. I used to always forget about the world, the influence of peer pressure and things. But those four voices. So, 1 John 4 teaches us how to test the spirits. So, 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God but, um, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is ready in this world. So when I'm making some choices in my life, I will hear things. And I'll say, sometimes it's just driving, and it's like things aren't going the way I planned them in my life. And it's like, well, you're not worthy of that. You're not good. You're just a screw-up. You're just a failure. You should just kill yourself. Where is that voice coming from? Well, number one, we know that is not God's voice. It could be myself, it could be the devil, it could be the world. Because I, things aren't lining up right. I mean, I don't have a boat. I don't have everything else that's supposed to go along with it. I mean, look at people who, you know, like when the stock market crashed back in the I don't know, late 80s or whatever, people were jumping off buildings because they lost everything. But they actually still had everything if they believed this instead of, of their material stuff. They listened to the wrong voice. So test it. So when you hear something in your head or you're trying to make a decision, you just say, is that voice, do you believe Christ is the Savior and came in the flesh? And it will flee. Or it will stay. Or it will say yes. Or it will no, say no. I totally believe that God, I've done it. 
And it works. And, you, and some of it is you have to know God's Word in order to know what His voice sounds like. And in order to know what lines up. Because Satan used a lot of things to try and deceive Jesus even in Scripture. Just misquoting Scripture. I mean, Adam and Eve. Surely he didn't say you would die. But he did say you were going to die when they made that choice. But I'm lucky, we're lucky there was grace and mercy back then. or we would, None of us would be here. So you have to test the Spirit. So use 1 John 4. Read through that. And become practiced with that. There's four steps to making a decision also. And this is not just... There's, this is to make moral decisions. Seeing if they line up with the Scripture. For one, sometimes we get paralyzed in our decision-making process. It's a very common thing, especially in churches. Because what we do is we go, okay, it may not even be a wrong thing or sin, for instance. We might just have four or five things that we're trying to figure out what to do, reactions to the same situation. And all of them are good. But we get paralyzed because what one is the most holy? What one is going to make God the happiest? So we sit and we are paralyzed instead of making, having action. We just sit and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait for God to you know, strike us blind or to you know, whatever, to have this miraculous moment that will come sometimes, but not every time and not a lot of times. So that's one of the things. We also believe that sometimes the decision we make will define us for the rest of our lives. Some do, most don't. So we get paralyzed by that. We, we just sit and wait, and we don't believe. So the first thing you have to do, and this is an important order of four things to do, the first one is to believe Scripture. It's more than knowing it. You have to believe it. You have to believe that it's truth. You just can't know it. So you have to believe it. So that's the first step. And if you, if you were saying something, should I steal something? And you go, oh, I know Scripture, and I believe it. And it says, no, you shall not steal. Okay, stop, you're done. You didn't even have to go through step two or three or four. That's an easy one, okay? But there's sometimes that you'll say, okay, it's sin, I can't do it. The other one is, be with godly counsel. Proverbs 11.14 says, for lack of guidance, uh, for, from, for lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many ad, uh, advisors. Proverbs 18.1 and 2 he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. And, the, and when you are under godly counsel, one time, a, a very important time to make sure that you listen closely is when you're getting pushback from the people that you trust, that are in your circle. If they don't agree with what you're trying to do or what you're saying, listen do it. Just listen and see and then talk about it and, and see. And it might change that it is right, but it, it may be also a warning shot that it's not going to work out well. But listen. And if you are that person that's being consult, consulted, be truthful. Don't just go along with everything that somebody wants to do. Be truthful because that's what an advisor does. They don't just go along with whatever. In Proverbs 12.15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. The third is do what you want. 
Okay, so that sounds not scriptural. Just do what you want. But remember, it's the order. Believe scripture, check the scripture first for what you're trying to decide. Second, go to counsel, and then do something. Move. Get moving. Do something. Because if you're aligned with those first two, the third will be the right answer. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So what happens sometimes is like um, fear of missing out, FOMO. It's a common thing around um, fear of missing out. So my wife and I, we went to Myrtle Beach on a trip, and I spent an entire day trying to figure out which was the best golf course out of 100 golf courses. Guess how many extra rounds of golf I missed out on trying to find the best golf course every time I sat and analyzed. I didn't do anything. I missed a whole day of golf because I was trying to figure out the best or the right. You know, um, a guy was telling me, you know, like sometimes the decision, I was listening to a sermon, he said, sometimes the decision is this, you go to the grocery store and you try and pick out deodorant. And you have 35 types of deodorant. They're all going to protect you. But you don't know if you need the power stripe or the pheromones or the whatever that comes out of them. Just pick a deodorant and go. Don't spend 35 minutes picking deodorant. You know, it's a... I know that's probably just a guy thing. Women, probably 35 minutes is short. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You've got to do research or something. I don't know. And then fourthly, once you've decided that, okay, I've, I've consulted Scripture, I've talked to friends or consult, and not everything has to go to consultant, but when it's a big decision, the more of these you use, the better you're going to be able to make a decision. So you consult, and then you do something, and then you ask God to give you the faith to stay true to the decision you made. Because when you make a decision that is right and in line with what the Scripture says, you may have the pressure from peers, from the world, everything else, trying to divert you away from that. Just like I believe whenever you are in the Word and you are fired up for God, Satan's coming. He's going to come after you. Because he's worried. You know, Satan's already lost. We all know that. Satan lost. He's just looking for companions in hell. It's true. That's why he's trying to take us. He already knows his end. But we don't have to be there. We can choose to be with the Lord. I hope some of these tools are helpful. I hope some of these will help you to go through. If you have any more questions about them, I'm more than happy to stay and try and explain myself a little bit more. I don't know. Um, But... That was my goal today, was to give you some confidence that we are going in the right direction, that you are going in the right direction, and giving you tools when you get bombarded by the outside forces that want you to go different than what God wants you to do for your life, than what God wants you, has provided for all of us. When the world is just crushing down on us, it happens. And some days it is, and some days you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, if God just give me the strength to stay in bed. And give me a schedule to stay in bed. Take care of everything else because I cannot face it. But if we can rely on His strength, we can get up, we can, we can start at excellent and work our way down. Because we know I'm with God. And God's going to be there with me. Even as strong as the world comes at me or Satan or whoever, or my own self. You know? The other day I was telling Kelly, I go, man, I just have not lost any weight the other day. And I'm like, recently and I'm working out more than ever and I'm like 
yeah, but I'm drinking a beer at night or I'm, you know, eating Cheetos instead of carrots or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, you gotta, there's responsibility in that. You know, it's like if you want to make a change, you are responsible for making sure you line yourself up with what works. And this works. This works. I'm thankful that we have it. Because there's so many times I don't work. And I can go to this and find what does work. And I encourage all of you to do that. And anytime anybody has questions, needs help, needs prayer, whatever, you can call me, you can call a lot of people. The Spencers are going to be up front this morning as well to receive anybody who wants to pray, if they want to see, receive Christ, if they want to just air their problems because they just need to get it off their chest. That's part of that counsel. So that they can just be able to see so you can face it. That so you can be in alignment with God. Because that's what we're called to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here. I'm going to end here. And we're going to go ahead and sing, but let me just end in prayer. So Heavenly Father, I, I thank You again. I ask You just to, to decipher what I've said to, to everyone here, to help them to be able to decipher Your Word accurately and to the point. They are able to have complete faith in what it says and who You are. That they, will, they are able to make the choices be able to wake up and go, I have my armor, I am ready for battle because I know you strengthen me through all of it. No matter what is thrown at me, I know I can stand because I have you. In Christ's name, amen.